Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. You're listening to the Hawksby and Jacobs Daily Podcast. This is Paul Hawksby. Uh, and Max Rushton. And this uh, was well. This was our show today, and uh, this is some of the best bits of it. Of course, we talked about uh, Diego Maradona and his sad passing. Uh, we spoke to Gary Lineker, who was uh, fascinating on the subject. He played with him, against him, interviewed him, got on very well with him, as you'll discover. And uh, we also spoke to Asif Kapadia, didn't we, as well? Yeah, film director who directed uh, the Diego Maradona movie, which you should definitely watch after you've listened to this podcast, of course. More important than any of that, we... We took Cruyff or Binney to the next level, didn't yeah. we? I don't think there's anywhere to go with it now, but maybe there is, maybe there isn't, but Cruyff or Binney. We had a conversation about various things, dinosaurs, and we brought <laughs> Dinosaurs back and Tabasco sauce. That's right. Yeah, yeah, that was it. Uh, so here it all is. Good afternoon, everyone. Good afternoon, Max. Yeah, good afternoon, Paul. And obviously, um, uh, you know, there's there's been so much brilliant stuff written uh, about Diego Maradona yeah. in the last sort of 24 hours, hasn't there? And, and just so many clips of just watching, uh, you know, that goal and watching Barry Davis do it amazingly and watching Brian Butler uh, do it. About I had, a, I had a video, a goals video, 500 best goals. And I think it was voiced by Michael Caine. Did it make it in there, the second one? <laughs> I just, did. Just it, just made, it made the top 500, <laughs> I see. Yeah, number yeah. 384. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> and it's Brian Butler's commentary and it was just so yeah. amazing. And then and then there's an Irish commentary which you might have heard and obviously the one that was commentated in Argentina. And it's, yeah. it's so nostalgic. And for someone my age... You know, I don't football. There was no football before. How old Maradona. were you when that game? So happened? I was seven when that game. So seven. Wow. So so sentient, not enough to really understand tactics. Yeah. Enough to understand that a handball probably isn't the best thing, but not really get it. Not really yeah. understanding, you know, the implications of it, but appreciating that goal. But it's interesting, isn't it? Because I can't really remember where I was when I watched it, yeah. or if I watched it live, because I've seen it so many times. Mm. I watched that game in lockdown on the, on the podcast. We, we did a few sort of nostalgic games, and we watched that game again. And actually, Argentina was so much better than us. Yeah. And he was so good that it actually took away any of that, oh, you know, I'm still angry with Maradona type stuff. I mean, there was a feeling that England, going into that game, were a better side, but they did have Maradona. And then we'll talk to Gary Lineker about this a little bit later on. And, you know, obviously that he made that huge difference. The, the Barry Davis commentary... Um, is brilliant because he when they when Maradona scores that second goal he has to kind of sum up the way the nation are feeling yeah. and he does because he says you have to say that's brilliant and it's kind of begrudging yeah although you know Barry I don't think that would have let that get in the way even if it was against England if it's a great goal it's a great goal for Barry but he does kind of get it just in his what you have to say that's but he's almost saying like come on 
England fans. That is brilliant. I know it's against us and it's annoying after what happened with the first goal, but that is brilliant. Yeah. And I think we all sat again. Yeah, fair play. Yeah, that I think was so. Brilliant. And there's an amazing photo of him celebrating with, yeah. with the Argentina fans going wild and the England fans, you know, with a few fingers in the air, you know, yeah. not so happy about it. What are your memories then? Well, I saw him play. I was very lucky. You were at uh, that game? I was at the the, uh, the Aussie RD list testimonial. It was a full house that night. It was a huge turnout. I mean, obviously, I think people knew Maradona was coming and it was build up to the World Cup. So there was a lot of excitement and he was a huge player and there was an expectation that this was going to be a big World Cup for him. And um, it was a brilliant night. Yeah, and him and, say him and Hoddle, it was just oh, had this sort of the dream, telepathy. Right? They played the really well. So to see him in the flesh was fantastic yeah. and it, I mean Ozzy was on on breakfast this morning and obviously those those two were pretty close and he'd come from a I, I, I didn't know the details I looked it up today but he played in Norway in a in a, a I think a friendly and he'd come straight there to England in a build up before it was a World Cup warm up match and he'd come over to play for Ozzy because he was his friend and uh, it, it was just an amazing night. It was, uh, I mean, I, I, I didn't even remember the score till again. I looked it up this like Clive <laughs> Allen got the winner, but I just remember him on the ball. Yeah, and he was sensational. We're all saying, "Oh, I can't wait to watch him in the World Cup." And then Martin Tyler interviewed him afterwards. I think for Saint and Greavesy, and he said, "What did you uh, make of the, uh, you know, the, 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 the what's the word reception you got from uh, the English football fans?" He said, "Oh, I loved, it. I loved playing in front of them." And we're all thinking, "Oh, what a great bloke!" And then, of course, two weeks. <laughs> About a month later, when we're on the receiving end of it, we f we felt slightly different. I seem to remember, but well, it was it was great to watch yeah, him in the flesh. I, I looked at his focus on. You know, we'd been doing the Binny v Cruyff, and I yeah. wondered if we we. And I looked at it, and his in his miscellaneous dislikes, his one word injustice, which I thought was amazing, <laughs> really? wasn't it? He did it like twenty. Hello, you know, exactly. Yeah, yeah. But I, the global reach of Maradona is amazing. You know, I got this message from a guy in Iceland saying called Carrie, saying, "When and how did you become aware of him?" I was born in 1981, and Maradona was the first person I knew about who wasn't a member of my family or in my kindergarten. So that's in yeah. Iceland. And then Miguel Delaney in the Independence, saying that before the 1990 World Cup opener. Some of the Cameroonian players started crying yes. when they saw him in the tunnel because they yeah. couldn't believe they were going to be on the same. And then they, then they beat him. They beat <laughs> him, of course. Did, right? Maybe they took more out of Kanija. I don't yeah. know. But I, there was, I don't know. Matt Dickinson, the, we were talking to Marcelo More Araujo, in, in, who's in Buenos Aires, and will sort of give us an idea of what it's like over there. But I, I thought this piece in the Times from Matt Dickinson, who's written a book about. Uh, Maradona, which is coming out soon. He said, to understand the scale and the devotion of Argentina, I went to a gathering of members of the Iglesia Marodriana, which is the Church of Maradona, formed yeah, yes. by his fanatical mm. fans. And, and Maradona's daughter, Dalma, went to, agreed to go to one of the meetings. Says, they were just having this meeting and then two people got married using El Diego, my dad's autobiography, like it was a Bible, placing their hands on it. You know, it started to get embarrassing when they began to worship me. But, you know, the idea of, like, his reach yeah. is just so bizarre. Well, I mean, he? he's been treated like a deity today. He's mm. lying in state in the sort of presidential palace yeah. and, uh, it, you know, people are filing, millions millions of people, over a million people yeah. filed past in Buenos Aires. The Hawksby and Jacobs Daily Podcast from Talk Sport. Like a little eel and comes away from trouble. Little squat man comes inside Budger, leaves him for dead. Outside Fennec leaves him for dead and puts the ball away. And that is why Maradona is the greatest player in the world. He buried the English defence. He picked up that ball 40 yards out. First he left one man for dead. First he went past Saxon. 
It's a goal of great quality by a player of the greatest quality. It's England nil, Argentina two. Brian Butler there wow, with the radio that's amazing. commentary. I think it's so brilliant, that, honestly. We'll play you the Barry Davis commentary a little bit later on and the reticence in the voice, knowing that he was speaking to very disconsolate people back home, but <laughs> you have to say that's brilliant, as he said. Anyway, um, Andre Villas-Boas just upped the ante. He said, I would like FIFA to retire the number 10 shirt in all competitions for all teams. Uh, Barry, uh, on our podcast this morning, said he, we should retire the number 10 from everything. Well, this is so, so, no, not just football. Just so, like, get beyond, rid of the number ten. So beyond, so to counting children at school. Wow, eight, nine, eleven, twelve. <laughs> it's, it's quite restraining, Andre Villas-Boas. Yeah. Joining us now to, to chat about uh, his meeting with Diego Maradona around the time he made the documentary, brilliant documentary. So it's available on Channel Four for you to enjoy. Uh, Diego Maradona. Uh, Asif Kapadia joins us. Asif, good afternoon. Hi there. Good afternoon, Paul. Matt. Hi. You uh, you met him at the. I mean, although the film itself doesn't doesn't really bring us Maradona uh, in the present day, you did meet him around making this, didn't you? Yes, I met him quite a few times. I w- it, this is when he was living in Dubai and he was coaching there. So we're sort of talking 2016, 17, 18, around that time. Um, and I went to his home quite a few times, about three, four times and went through the process of kind of getting to know him, earning his trust, and then eventually interviewing him. So when you hear his voice in the film, that's from audio interviews that we did with him in Dubai. Wow. Did you sense that he was like a nice, decent man when you met him, sort of weighed down and and held back by the fact that he was also Maradona? I mean, you know, just meeting with Diego Maradona, you go through lots of different versions of him. You know, the first meeting was a the kind of cliche meeting that I've read about and heard lots of other journalists mention, which is you just wait. You wait until he's ready to see you. You fly to the other side of the world. And then today, they said, not today. Today's not a good day. Try tomorrow. Try tomorrow. And then you wait for a week and you hardly see him. You see him for five minutes. And you think that was it. And then you go away and you come back. And then we had another good one where it was just him. There's no entourage, no one around. And we spoke. And we got to know him and he smiled and you think, oh, actually, I like this guy. And then you never really know which one you're going to meet until you're in the room with him, until he descends from the staircase, right? Because he's often asleep until the afternoon. You know, no one tells you that until you're there. Then you realise, you know, he's been asleep until four in the afternoon because he was watching Boca Juniors. You know, he's in Dubai, so he's watching Boca in Argentina till like four in the morning. Um, so it always depended on the day and the mood he was in. And then if you got him in the right place, he opened up and he actually had a very sweet side to him. Yeah, that, that experience you outlined there sounds just like the, the experience of the four world boys when they made in the hands of the gods, you know. It's just difficult to pin down, but when you did, he, he was he was charming. So, what, it, what I'm interested to know what he made of the film. Did you reach out to him afterwards? Because um, it is, I mean, it is a sympathetic, it's a warts and all showing, but ultimately I think you come away from it understanding Maradona's life a little bit more than you did before you saw the film. So do, do you know what he made of it? So just going through this conversation between us, we are going through the stages of Maradona. You have the difficult guy to meet, you have the guy that you do meet, and it's just you and him, and he's all right, and he's really nice. And then you make a film, and you try and show it to him, and you can never get near him again. (laughs) And it's almost like the deal's done. I've done what I'm going to do. You don't deserve my attention. So (laughs) I even flew to Buenos Aires. We were literally a few streets away. And, you know, you don't talk to him directly. You go via his people and his agent and his manager. We were not allowed to meet him. So officially, I have always been told he's never seen the film, but it was available in Argentina. It was on TV. He watches football nonstop. It was on the channels that would show all the football. I'm assuming he would know, but he's also, he can be a really sweet guy, but he's also one of the most stubborn people ever 
that have ever existed. So part of him will say, I refuse to watch that film because before I've seen it, I'm sure they betrayed me or something. So as far as I know, he never saw it. We were invited to the, the, to the World Cup when he was in, in 2018. He was going to be in Moscow. And he said, oh, yeah, why don't you come over during the World Cup and show it to me? And I just thought, I don't think that's going to be a good time to show you this film. And uh, <laughs> as we saw, it probably wasn't. So by saying no, perhaps that, that was my opportunity gone. So I don't know if he's seen it. I've, I've talked to his people around him and no one's ever given me a definitive answer that he did. Um, what surprised you more? I mean, of all the footage, you know, you must have watched so much deciding what to put in and what not to put in the, in the movie. What was it on the pitch or off the pitch that, that surprised you most? I think on the pitch, it's just the, the you just find yourself grinning when you see him do something and you see the way he can manipulate the ball and how he can move and his balance and all of that, you know. But you kind of knew that, and we've seen lots of great players off the pitch. I would say the kind of the sweet guy, which you know, I, I, I grew up watching Maradona and reading about him and, and having an opinion of him or seeing silly videos that people upload on the internet and laughing at him. And then you see the young kid and you go, actually, he's quite sweet. And you see the eyes and the smile and the innocence. And then what I suppose I noticed the most was the fear in his eyes when he's surrounded by people, when they're trying to grab him, when they want a piece of him. And he looks terrified. And I think that you don't see that on the pitch from the camera angles. You don't see that when they're giving interviews. You only see that when they're sort of caught slightly off guard. And I think that vulnerable part of him was the thing that I hadn't seen before. I never thought of Maradona being someone who could be fragile. Um, and I think that's what we, we all get lost with, you know, these stars, these footballers, they're famous, they're rich, they've got everything, they've got a Ferrari. But we don't really think about the moments when they're a bit lost. Mm. And I think that was the bit that stood out the most. And I think we saw it in that film, as if that, you know, you could, you almost had an understanding of the way his life started to unravel and why he turned to certain substances and other outlets purely because of the, the pressure he was on under constantly, especially in Naples. Yeah, Naples is just such an intense city. I mean, you know, Italy is intense and football is really, really important. And we're talking about a time when football was the most, it was the most important league in the world. And then you go to a very clingy, touchy-feely, very claustrophobic city like Napoli. And then on top of that, he became the god. He became the kind of the kid who put that team on the map who made them kind of start beating Juventus regularly and win in championships and winning UEFA Cups when it really meant something. So so that that definitely changed, you know, that changed his, the way he could exist and the way he lived and that kind of fandom kind of went, you know, it was amazing when it lasted. It was the best thing ever, but it was also the worst thing for him because it could only go one way, you know, it was always going to become too intense. I also wonder by going to, you know, it was sort of self-flagellation, really. He was under pressure, so if he'd gone somewhere like Milan or, or Juventus, uh, uh, if you like a bigger club that had won more, look, he'd still be a huge star, but it possibly wouldn't have been like that. But by going to Naples, putting piling all that pressure on himself, the same kind of pressure he had whenever he played internationally for Argentina, was quite interesting, wasn't it? Look, I mean, because he loved it. He loved the adulation in one way, and he, he didn't in others. The, the honest truth, Paul, is at the time, nobody came in for him. Mm. He was this great player, but he was deemed a failure at Barcelona. Yeah. Okay? He had his ankle broken by Gokachea. He didn't win anything. He argued. He got his final matches, that big punch-up we have at the beginning of the film. Yeah. So no one came in for him. And it also, it was a two-foreigners rule. Juve had, you know, they had Platini, they had Boniek, mm. you know, Milan had other, the, the Dutch players coming to Milan when it becomes three players. So 
no one had space for this guy that might not, you know, he might cause a bit of trouble. That's how he was deemed. Napoli needed him. Napoli wanted him. Napoli paid up. So he went to Napoli. It's only when he got to Napoli, he even realized what Napoli was. You know, he had no idea. This is all pre-internet, pre-phones, you know. Mm. So he's just like, who paid for me? Him? Okay, I'll go there. He knew nothing about the, the club. The year before, they nearly got relegated. So you could have had the most expensive player in the world going to a team that was in Serie B. It's amazing. What do you <laughs> what do you think his legacy will be, Asif? I think honestly, we're only going to we're realizing it now. You know, when, before we started the film, and even now, if you look on the comments pages of you have re- people who love him and people who hate him, and I think that's going to continue. But actually, I don't think there's going to be anyone quite like him. No one will do what he did. No player would go to a team like Napoli now. They're going to go to a team that's won the last eight leagues in that country, and they're going to be surrounded by other megastars. No team will, no player will ever win the World Cup the way he won that World Cup. No one will ever do what he did against England in a key World Cup match. You know, I don't think we'll see anyone quite like him. And it's what he did off the pitch. He's the one that, you know, Fidel Castro will want a picture with him. The Pope wants a picture with him. You know, he's the guy that all the rock stars wish they were a bit like him. So you've got this character as well as the best footballer. Now, those two things don't really come together, many people. Asif, good to talk to you. Thank you very much for joining us. Thanks a lot. Asif Kapadia there, the writer and director of Diego Maradona. So you can you can uh, watch that. If you haven't seen it, it's it's an amazing documentary, oh, it's isn't it? Brilliant. I mean, it's brilliant. And, and, and we said it before, but just the amount he has kicked. Is, yeah. Is I mean, mind, even it's mind-blowing. In, in 86, in, yeah. that, in that game in against that game, England, totally. he gets a real shooing, doesn't he? But if you, you know, if you are in your 20s now you just haven't seen no attacking players have to deal with no it was a free for all time wasn't it? you could kick people uh, as much as you liked in those days and and of course the pitches they were talking about this last night the pitches were terrible and Mm. he was able to work his magic on some pretty terrible surfaces as well the Hawksby and Jacobs daily podcast from TalkSport ready to pop the question The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. The Hawksby and Jacobs daily podcast from TalkSport. 
Yes, it's back. Uh, I, I know I say by popular demand, <laughs> but by popular indifference, it's back. It's day four of Cruyff or Binney, a, a little throwaway idea on Monday. That has throwaway, Paul. Come the on, shortest don't put yourself of, down. The shortest of legs. Um, and uh, this is a pretty simple. We take uh, two of the in-focus yeah. uh, features that you used to see in your well, shoot magazine many years ago, and then we compare and contrast. And one of us, it, we've alternated every day, has to try and guess which of the two players in question said, certain things I'll take you back to Cruyff or Binney I said who was a big fan of Beef Stroganoff of course uh, thinking that it would be the urbane uh, late great Johan Cruyff that's what um, that's what Max went with but it was it was Mr Binney yeah here we go welcome to today's episode of Cruyff or Binney today's contestant is Paul from North London hi Paul yeah lovely to see you Max you're having a great day you've had a great day yeah whatever happens now it's been a great day wonderful I'm so pleased anyway today we're taking it to the next level after sort of Dalgleish v Dalgleish yesterday. Yeah. In today's Croyf or Binny, um, uh, uh, a Q&A. I'm not sure it was a focus on. I don't know if that's against the rules, but it's what we're doing. Steve Nickel. Are you aware of Steve Nickel? Of course I am. Here yeah, we yeah. are. Four I mean, league titles, three FA Cups, yeah. one European Cup. You are. Steve was on this show singing yes, Fleetwood Mac songs very good. a few weeks it's ago. Very good. Yeah. Well, speaking of singing, he'll be up against, from a smash hits Q&A, George Michael. Three Brit Awards, <laughs> four MTV Music Video Awards, wow. four Ivan Novellas, two Grammys, over 100 million records Nickel worldwide. or Michael. It's this Nickel is a development. Or, it's Nickel or Michael. We've moved away from football. Yeah. I mean, if there's any sort of nice, gentle music to just give a bit of... Well, just of, something to bubble yeah, under. Yeah, just to bubble under, I think. Okay. Question one. Just give it a bit of Atmos. Question one for you, Paul. Okay. Uh, Nickel or Michael, as we play. Uh, a sort of administrational question, really. Which one of the two was born on June, June the 25th, 1963, do you think? Is that Steve Nickel or George Michael? Uh, I'd say George. I'd go George. i go Michael. Okay, correct. It is George Michael. Steve Nickel, 11th of December, 1961. Just okay. a couple of years yeah. older. Okay, so here we go. One out of one. Well done. Good stuff. Question two. Whose first memory was seeing some goats at a zoo? Is that? <laughs> have a think about that. Is that Stevie Nickel or is that George Michael? Goats at a zoo. Mm. Um, he's, he's quite quirky, old Steve, and I imagine he was then. So, when he did this questionnaire, I'd say Steve Nickel. It was George Michael, oh. obviously. Unlucky right. there. Okay, here we go to question three. Yeah. Rattling through. Um, uh, home, a question of home. Hmm. Who lives in a detached bungalow? Okay, that's Is that Steve Nickel or George Michael? Back in the day. Back in back mm. in the day. What sort of era of Michael was this? I mean, this wasn't... I'm so... not here to give you details. Oh, OK. Mm. This is quite... Uh, I mean, imagine he could have... Uh, yeah. Um, detached bungalow. Who's detached Steve? bungalow? I just... I'll go nickel. It is Steve Nichol. Steve Nichol, yeah. Okay. Little bungalow in Southport, maybe. Question four. Like. It was in, in uh, Toxteth. Oh. Or Croxteth. Yeah. Okay, <laughs> yeah. sure Let's play Toxteth or Croxteth. <laughs> That's tomorrow. Yeah. Um, who, question four, a romance. Hmm. Whose first crush was Mrs. Wilson, a school teacher, when I was about six? Is that George Michael or Steve Nichol? Um, I'd say that's that's George Michael. It is George Michael. Yes. Oh, okay. Good. So I've got, th- I've got, got three th- so far. Three, three out, out of four. four. Yeah. Uh, good question work. five. A car yeah. question. Who at this time is driving a Datsun Sunny? <laughs> um, is, is that Steve Nichol or George Michael? But I think George Michael with his name on the side and the and the local Datsun um, garage that would have supplied it. No, I think I don't think uh, George would have chosen. 
Datsun. Um, I'll go Stevie Nickel, a club car. Correct club answer. Car. Okay, yeah, questions okay. are doing very well here, Paul. You're very good at this game. You're excellent at Gibbons or Carl uh, Heinz Rummenigge. Yeah. You're really good at Nickel or Michael. It's your calling, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, it is. Uh, question six, question of nicknames. Whose nickname was Chopsy? Is that George Michael or Steve Nickel? Chopsy. Th- oh, that rings a bell. That th- rings a bell. Should that help you? I'm wondering... Who do you know more about? Uh, I Paul? thought it was... I think it, it rings a bell that it was Steve. It was Steve Nickel. Chopsy. Mm, yes. When the team go away, I'm famous for eating a lot of chips. Apparently, I pronounce it Chops. Chops. Hence yeah. the nickname. Uh, George N- Michael's nickname was Your. His full name was... And I do struggle with these names. Yorgos yeah. Kiriakou Panayutau. Yeah. Um, okay, very good so far. Question uh, You five, did quite well, six. actually. Thanks so much. Previous jobs. <laughs> Whose previous jobs included cinema usher and a labourer on a building? Building site. Is that Steve Nickel or mm. George Michael? Cinema usher and a labourer on a building site. Mm. I imagine Stevie, Stevie Nickel went more or less straight into football. I don't think he had a did life he? before. Do you think he did? George, I think George was on the hot. Yeah. yeah, George Michael also had a Saturday job at British Home Stores. He got sacked for not wearing a shirt and tie, believe it or not. Was he just a vest? <laughs> Quite possibly. <laughs> You're doing really well here. Yeah. Uh, six out of seven. So he's so, he must be really frustrated about that wrong answer you got earlier. <laughs> Seeing the goats at the zoo. I might know. Be well, the, was, might be the one thing that let you down nothing to house. work with there. Whose favourite actor is Shirley MacLean? George Michael, or is that Steve Nichol? I don't know. I mean, something tells me it would be George, but being that little bit older, Steve, you know, the apartment films like that, you know, I'd go Stevie Nichol. That's the correct answer. Oh, two okay. more to go. What makes you angry? Who said customs officials? <laughs> um, that's got a bit of George Michael about it. Oh, yeah. Okay. Is that right? Yeah, it's the correct answer. Do you know what Steve... What did Steve say? What annoyed I, him? Have you got I, that? I, you haven't got I that to have that. Okay. Uh, question 10. Okay, here we go. Um, for 9 out of for 10. For 9 out of 10. Which will be the... Um, absolutely here we go. smashing. Uh, Liam Ridgewell's been in touch to say, I'm not sure if these games are getting worse, but I love them. Thank you very much, Liam. <laughs> as, uh, you know, you can be, as, as sponsored by Liam Ridgewell. That's brilliant. Portland Timbers hero. Indeed. Okay, uh, question 10. For 9 out of 10, a tricky one. Who said no, not really, to the question, do you miss being in Wham? Is it? <laughs> well, that, I mean, honestly, I, that... It's a lot, tricky one, well, is that Steve Nichol or is look, that George Michael? You heard Steve singing Don't Stop by Fleetwood Mac, so <laughs> you know the answer. He was first approached. Andrew Ridgely first went to him said, Steve, are you prepared to be in Wham? So I'm going... Uh, I'm going Stevie Nichol. Uh, no, it was actually George Michael. No. Eight out of ten there, Paul. But wow. thanks for playing, and I hope you had a good time. I did. I'd, I've had a great day. And uh, what do I, Eight out of ten. I, I don't get the ten, so I leave empty-handed. You do leave I? empty-handed. Don't um, I get the uh, Cruyff or Binny? What would he have? There'd be a, some sort of a carriage clock or something? It would have to, it would have to turn. Maybe it's... A, what's Binny's first name? I forget. Fred, wasn't it? Is it Fred Binny yeah. doing a Cruyff turn in a nice. kind of mannequin form. That's beautiful. Yeah. Okay, we'll okay. get one of those made up uh, as this is likely to carry on going for years. <laughs> think you and Andy will do that? I think Andy will, I think Andy Andy will be really into it. What is this rubbish? Was it Max's idea? <laughs> I remember. And at which point I'll say, yes, Andy, it was. It was nothing to do with me. I, I was I, quite reluctant. I did a week with Andy and I used to like bringing in, you know, sort of pick-me-up magazine or something yeah. and just ask a daft survey. And one morning we came in and Andy just came in the office going, no more surveys! <laughs> Fantastic. <laughs> Well, um, surprisingly, it wasn't Steve Nichol that uh, that um, was in Wham. 
but but George Michael. And uh, it's surprising when you hear Steve sing as he did for us. We'll take you uh, into the travel and uh, we'll return uh, talking a bit of uh, Europa League football tonight. But first, Stevie Nichols sings uh, the work of Stevie Nicks, effectively. Don't stop thinking about tomorrow. Don't stop. It'll soon begin. It'll begin better than before. Yesterday's gone. Yesterday's gone. Ooh. The Hawksby and Jacobs Daily Podcast from Talksport. Little story we've not got round to this week. I don't know if you saw this at the weekend. Uh, Dean Smith was talking about Ollie Watkins, who have kind of played under him at uh, Brentford and he was um, telling the story of how he used to kind of keep an eye on some of his players he said I would go and spy on them uh, now and again see where they were living without them knowing so I'd often sort of turn up and take a little present with me so there was a reason for him going there Okay. and we've seen Jose giving out 500 quid's worth of Birico ham to uh, Sergio Regulon but not for Dean Dean uh, he, gave, he turned up with a fish tank for Ollie Watkins huh. the idea that a manager turns up on your doorstep and Stand there holding a fish tank. Fish tank is the sort of thing you you have to accept it as the gaffer. Yeah, you don't really want it. Well, I you mean, have to clean it every week. Is Dean going to offer that someone to come around and clean it every week? Well, it does bring with it. It was a moving in present. All right. and Ollie was quite taken with it, but then of course he, he realised that you know you have to look after fish. And yes. unfortunately, this is um, it gets a bit tragic at this point. Oh no! Um, Ollie overfed them. I have done that recently. And they all died. He uh, basically he misread, and it's a, it's a salutary lesson to us all, really. Do read the instructions. Mm. It said, feed them once every two days, but he was feeding them twice a day. Oh, so uh, they went down the... Yeah. Yes, I, uh, we got the fish from school during lockdown. And actually, I had, I would say, <clears> the most terrifying drive of my life. I had to yeah. go... So my wife is a teacher. Yeah. So point say, out. <laughs> you haven't got any kids. So no. just a, a random school <laughs> yeah, turned yeah, up. Yeah. Dean Smith just turns <laughs> up on your doorstep. So what can this I do? This is from the local comp. Look after these. <laughs> so anyway, my wife works at school, so we got the goldfish for lockdown and trying to drive quite you notice where the potholes are on commercial when you've got street, a goldfish there yeah, when you've yeah. got a goldfish sitting there it was absolutely terrifying and i did overfeed them for a couple of days you have to give them peas helps their digestion you have to really? skin some peas yeah and that's defrost ollie. them see that's ollie watkins didn't ollie have time didn't to do, do that. that but you see that what's interesting is there are a couple of guys ross barkley at villa is much more knowledgeable with keeping fish <laughs> Trezor, Trezor gay as well yeah. and tyrone mings has an aquarium has he really yeah, absolutely he's yeah. got it's one that you can swim in yeah <laughs> he, goes down, he gets in with the fish tyrone mings gets in the fool's aqua gear That'll yeah great. and he, he goes swims, around and, yeah. he, and he's got a little brush to clean all the little rocks as well wow, yeah. do you know what you didn't know that i didn't know that that's brilliant that's great news do you want to know who who the best cricketer is at Tottenham Hotspur. Obviously, we saw that amazing catch from Delhi Alley yesterday. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, it is Joe Hart, by all accounts. They've been tweeting some more videos. It's right. interesting when you're top of the league, isn't it? Suddenly, you're top of the league for like five minutes, and now it's like your social media can just have so much fun. It's a yeah. fun place to be. You can't Rocky, imagine. Well, this. you can. Exactly. Right. Ricky Clark, who's a big Spurs fan, Surrey player, he was uh, he was quite impressed with the cricket he saw on offer on yeah. the old Spurs social media. He thought it was a brilliant catch by Delhi Alley. That was a marvelous catch. Yeah, Joe Hart, apparently. Ben Stokes has got in touch as well, so it's been a real social media success yeah, there for, for Tottenham Hotspur. Let's see. At a time when the boy needs him, just what he needs, really, to be talked up all of his cricketing skills. <laughs> Isn't it? Just, just what he really needs. Well, you know, let's, let's see if he, let's hope he, he doesn't just, you know, spill a dolly against Ludogorets tonight. That'll be just the answer. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. I've got lots of vignettes here, Paul, which oh, I, think good, you won't okay. be, I don't think you'll be impressed with them at all. Um, how many rats do you think there are in the UK? 
wow, okay. Top of my head? Top of your heads, um, what do you reckon? 400 million. 150 million? The closure of pubs and restaurants has helped Britain. I was looking rats. at the, the James Herbert version <laughs> of Amity Rats. There were, there's one for the teenagers. <laughs> in fact, he wrote it a was book one called the, the Rats. Yeah, okay. Well, I mean, it was a reference I laughed along with but didn't quite understand. Okay, it's yeah. A bit yeah. like the Martin Kellner section. They're very popular. They're very oh, popular in okay. the 70s and 80s, the James Herbert uh, kind of horror books. Oh, and, uh, he'd take like a different animal oh, and then right. they would proliferate and then they'd take over the world and they'd eat people, you oh, know, like gerbil was one of his. <laughs> Slug. No, it wasn't really. But okay. Rat the Rats was very good, actually, a very good book. 2.2 rodents for every person. Yeah, there we are. So that's how many rats there are. I haven't brought it back to sport. Vasily Rats, of course, is one of Vasily them. Vasily Rats <laughs> is not staying here at the moment, is he, there in are, the UK? There are, there are 149 million... Glenn Roden, he's not staying here, the, uh, is he, at the same time? 149 million, 999,999 rats and Vasily Rats in the UK. Yeah, okay. Do you have any more? No, I haven't. Okay, I no, I've got plenty. I've just, got, just, oh, just one and pick one. Pick another one from your uh, pile well, of seeing, scrappy paper <laughs> there. no fans in stadia, obviously. So, uh, no. uh, Cardiff's Principality Stadium are planning a skywalk to the top and oh, yeah. a zip wire has been approved by councillors. So, you could get 2,000 and... Could you get 2,001 fans into the Principality Stadium for their next rugby match? Because so one a, person could be on the top. A zip wire is good. Because I, I went along to the, the skywalk, Tottenham's skywalk, which is great. And you go up on the roof okay, and you yes, walk around yes, the I've front it, yeah. and stand up on the old um, on the old park lane, which was great. But um, they've got a, a way to abseil right down down the the, the park lane. In, sorry, excuse me, into the car park. I was basically miming abseiling okay. there, like <laughs> great radio. But that's why I the international the sign for yeah, abseiling. Yeah. Abseiling. I was just oh, I went below the it, line it, of the it, desk quite a, rapidly. It's a very it's very close to the international sign for bell ringing, but it's just a slightly different... <laughs> it is. It's a different and hole, punting, isn't it? Which yeah. I believe you did back in the <laughs> yeah, day. Yeah, very successfully. Yeah. So you abseiled down the tunnel? I, I didn't do it. No, oh, I didn't right. abseil. They're offering that later. But I think the idea of a of a way to just to sort of fly into the stadium from one stand mm. to another on a zip wire, I'd be Why very not? much up for that. Yeah. It sounds fantastic. Um, how much would you pay for a fossilised triceratops horn? Well, on the oak market, what you're paying at the moment? What you're paying, yeah. What, what do you uh, reckon? Oh. Is it an aphrodisiac or I mean, you know, no, you're expected no to keep it as a... It doesn't do anything for you. No. You know, I mean, it, it in a bit... George Galloway sense, it wouldn't, it, wouldn't, it wouldn't take you to the places he mentioned it's, yesterday. Um, I've got to pay close on half a million quid oh, for it's that. It's 11 grand. 11, 11 for, grand for, for a fossilised... now extinct animal's horn. <laughs> Absolutely you right. can't just... They don't grow on trees. I mean, <laughs> 11 grand for something you can't get in very, in very few places. I mean, what could... I mean, that is... It's, yeah, it's a very small amount of money. Do footballers go for 11 grand anymore? What's the last footballer who went for 11 grand? It's also oh, an insult. You're better off being a free transfer. That's a you? very good question. Who's yeah, the last yeah, yeah. 11 grand footballer? Well, no, funny enough, it brings us back to Diego Maradona, because oh, when, just after... amazingly that, done. Just after ball. that game, uh, when uh, he played in um, Aussie's testimonial, there was a lot of stories saying, oh, he's coming to us, Aussie's got into him, and he's he's leaving Napoli, and he's only been there, it's not working He's coming to Spurs, and we were all very excited. This idea that it was going to be him and Glenn Hoddle working their magic oh, together. So good. So, uh, but they said then a club record of ten million. It was going to cost ten million pounds. There would be phone-ins on Talksport back in the day. You can't play them in a two, yeah. can you? <laughs> can they play together? <laughs> can you oh, get eight, seven one seven? Can we get Vinny Samways? You've got to drop Maradona and bring in <laughs> Steve Sedgley. I've be, got my, got my yeah, years right, have I? Putting some noses out of joint that would have been in that era certainly. So they got Steve Hodge after that instead, and then of course they've then swapped shirts with Maradona. And took some stick. Maybe Gary will tell us that. Steve Hodge 
was saying today, he got pelters back in the dressing room after an Ander God game. He just saw Maradona and he said, uh, swap shirts, not tugged his shirt, didn't speak any Spanish, but it's a universal language for footballers as they leave the field. Yeah. Tug shirts. So uh, he took it off and he got the shirt and apparently well, Terry Fennick, one of the boys, said, what you got his shirt for? He's just stiffed us. But, T- tomorrow yeah. in the Daily Mail, Peter Shilton, I hate, still hate Steve Hodge for that <laughs> moment. But uh, apparently uh, Peter Reid was saying afterwards, you know, I mean, it's worth a few quid now, so who, who, who got it right exactly. who got it wrong? Exactly. Yeah. The Hawksby and Jacobs Daily Podcast from Talk Sport. Maradona. Going at them again. Brilliant run by Maradona. Fantastic goal. Unbelievable. World class in the best sense of the phrase. Here's Maradona again. He has Chaga to his left and Valdano to his left. He won't need any of them. Oh, you have to say that's magnificent. There is no debate about that goal. That was just pure football genius. That was Motti giving us the Belgium goal, wasn't oh, it? Well, yeah, what a goal. That. that image, that I'm talking about the mind's eye. You can see that run and that that the still as well of all those uh, Belgian players all lined up in front of him. It's it's a great picture, like a chessboard. A dagger to the heart. That second clip from Barry there for our next guest, uh, a man that uh, played against Diego Maradona, played with him. Something we'll come on to, and of course, about uh, twenty years after the Hand of God game, uh, went out with the Beeb uh, to interview him. Uh, Gary Lineker joins us. Good afternoon, Gary. Uh, good afternoon, chaps. Good to talk to you as always. Um, yeah, I mean that's that pretty unique, really. The story of how you played with him, I thought, was was fascinating, and we love the fact that in 1987, in uh, the it was the Mercantile Credit International, one of our listeners has filled us in on it. He was at the game, and he said that it's great that Maradona would think, "Oh yeah, I'll go back to England a year after the hand of God. Sure, it'll all be fine." Yeah, it's it's really spooky because what happened yesterday, I was. Um I was reminded of that game as I told the story. I've told this story a few times in the past, but um, about when I played with him in, in, in that game and how everyone was in awe of him. I got home last night and um, I saw another clip that I did in a documentary, as you mentioned, when I went out to interview him. I was with him for three days and he gave me a shirt signed. And I thought, I wonder if I can find that shirt. And I was hunting around for it and I pulled out, pulled out this... Um, t-shirt that I thought was it but it wasn't and and this medal flicked up from nowhere and landed on the floor and I picked it up and it's got mercantile credit 1967 <laughs> I mean honestly it was like the spookiest thing wow. this was like after I got home from um, doing the Champions League BT coverage last night so it's about it's about midnight <laughs> what's going on this is really weird I didn't even know I had that medal wow I think it's amazing when you you know, talked about Maradona coming on and just sort of booting it up in the air and then doing it again and again and seeing you and Michael Owen, you know, players, to be fair, yeah. you know, you were pretty good, Gary. And and the idea that, you know, it was a different game for him just gives us an idea of just quite how brilliant he was. Absolutely right. Even people that were significantly better than me, like um, Michelle Platini, who played in that game, and um, I think it was Preben Elkier and one or two others, really, really top players. And all of us were totally in awe of him because he was quite literally on another level um, than us. And 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 it doesn't make you feel bad about, I think, yourself. It just it just it, it excites you to see someone that's that good. And I, I get it now when I watch uh, Messi in a, in a similar way, um, does things that, that ordinary mortals just can't do. 
Um, and he could do that uh, frequently. And he had such a presence and an aura. And I think it was probably added to by the flaws of his off-the-field life. But um, he really was both a, a remarkable footballer. And, and when you consider his background, where he'd come from, um, his stature, he's only, I think he's only about five foot four, tiny, um, but very powerful. But, but the touch and, and the things he could do with the football, I, I, he just, you know, there's that old phrase about being on first name terms. But um, he, he was way beyond that. He was just something really, really special. We spoke to Asif Kapadia earlier on, Gary, about his documentary and what it was like for Diego day to day. I mean, you spent, I mean, you're, you're a well-known face. People often stop you in the street and they want selfies and autographs, etc. But in that three days that you spent with him, did you get a bit of a window on what it was like being Diego Maradona? I, I, I did indeed. It was um, truly extraordinary. I mean, he's so revered there um, and treated almost like the Messiah. Um, and I, I kid you not, there's no exaggeration. Everywhere you went, there were hordes of people, um, some with him, some people just like spotting him and running over and screaming and shouting. And it was like that all the time. Um, everywhere I, did, I went to a five-a-side game that he played in with him. Um, I went to a football match um, to watch Boca Juniors, and he's got his um, he's got his little box there. It's funny. I just saw um, on social media this afternoon they, the the stadium there, Bolsonaro, was was in complete darkness except they left on the lights in in Diego's um, little um, box that he watches oh. the matches from. Um, and to experience that with him in that box um, got a bit nostalgic, but. Um, but he's treated, his life is like no, no others. And you can understand why things went a little bit pear-shaped in, in many aspects. And he's obviously had addiction problems and stuff. But I think what he's given the game and what he's, he's given football fans, um, particularly obviously in Argentina around the world, I think it way eclipses is, is the downsides. I mean, obviously, you probably weren't feeling great in the dressing room and I'm sure you've told this a million times in, in 86 after that game but I, I wonder now if you feel sort of honoured to have been on the pitch when he scored that goal um, well I, I, again I told the story yesterday that I, it was it was so good um, on, on a playing surface that was so poor to do what he did was, was truly extraordinary and it was the only time in my career where I genuinely, genuinely felt like I ought to put my hands together and applaud that goal. <laughs> you can't do that. <laughs> and part of me was also gutted, but it, it, was, it was definitely the best thing I've ever seen on a football pitch. And I think it's the best goal that's ever been scored, personally. I mean, others, you know, you see great goals, don't you, every now and again. And I've seen Messi score very similar to that. Um, but it was in a La Liga game, not in the court final of a World Cup against England. Mm. Um, on a dodgy pitch um, and so I, I think it's the greatest goal that's ever scored but some of the things he could do um, were, were truly breathtaking it was almost like he'd been you know, planted down from some other planet and rather like Messi I always think they, those two in particular they played the game almost as though they, it was an out of body experience where they were looking at themselves from above so they had so much vision and knew what to do at exactly any given moment and I've never really seen that in, in, in anybody else but those two. The turn that gets him on the way uh, for that run towards the goal. Um, I mean, you were saying that the, the pitch itself wasn't great. I mean, pitches generally weren't great. And that's the other thing about him. He, 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 did, he had those touches. He had the, 
that sublime skill even on terrible pitches. And that pitch he played on in Mexico wasn't great. So he had no right really for it to be glued to his foot for that long. No, it was amazing because it was actually like um, lots of square pieces of turf. Uh, I think they'd had a problem with it and relayed it like you would your back garden. <laughs> Uh, oh no, I kid you not. And um, and you kind of put your foot on it, and the thing would move away. So how he did what he did, um, and then kept it going and beat player after player um, uh, was incredible. And and also the you know the conditions. It's hot. It was humid. But, um, playing at altitude. Um, so you know nothing. I mean, and and following that great goal, if you watch the semi final against Belgium, he scores one. Well, Quite as good, but yeah. it's not far off no. um, to follow it um, to follow it through. But um, yeah, it's, um, he was a great talent. Um, we were born a month apart. Our lives have coincided on, on many times, uh, many occasions. Um, obviously, we're very different. He's significantly better footballer than I was, but um, I always liked him. I always liked him as a guy. I know that he punched one in against us, and you know that he got away with that. Um, but even that, he was cheeky about it and had conversations with him. He had a lovely sense of humour. Um, and I, funny enough, I did the World Cup draw the last time I saw him. I actually did the World Cup draw with him um, in Moscow, in the Kremlin. And and we went through the draw and I had a little kind of joke of his expense about when he picked the balls out and said he's quite good with his hand or something <laughs> like that. And he thought it was really funny. And then it was quite a complex um, presentation, that thing. And at the end of it, he came up to me and, and he said, Gary, Gary, that was amazing. You did a fantastic job. I said, oh, thanks, Diego. I mean, said, you know, it means a lot coming from me. He said, he said, you know, Gary, he was doing this in Spanish, obviously. And he said, you know, Gary, as a footballer, he said, you were okay. <laughs> And he said, but, you know, as, as a presenter is doing this, he said, he said, if you were as good at football as you are at presenting, he said, you might have been nearly as good as me. <laughs> There's a compliment in there somewhere, isn't there? I didn't know whether to take <laughs> or the opposite. How long did, how long, you know, after the game, you know, because so much is talked about, you know, the handball and do we forgive him, don't we forgive him? And, you know, how long after did you go, well, it's part of the game, you know, he got kicked a lot, there are other ways of cheating. Did it take you any amount of time? No, no, no time at all. I mean, I know some of my teammates are still bitter to this day, and um, and I get that. But you know, you want to win, you try and win. We see it now. You know, players buy free kicks, players buy penalties. You know, there's the big dives. There's humble. You know, Thierry Henry did humble, didn't he? That the Irish probably never forgiven him for. Um, you know, these things happen. They got away with it. Um, if it if it had been me that like punched it in, although. Can't imagine the circumstances where that would happen. But if it was me that had done it, would would this country still be whining about that? I don't know. Mm. I don't know. It was. Um, but for me, you got away with it. I, you know, I still blame the blame the linesman. I think the linesman. Sorry, actually, latterly he admitted he, he thought he did, but um, but didn't have the nerve to put his flag up. So um, yeah, I, I, I gave forgiven a long time ago. I like him. He's a he's a good guy, and he's he's a wonderful footballer and he was he was always he was always warm and mm. very open to mm. people I think from that film as well and you know this from the time you played like the amount you and he got kicked it, it's so different you know the Messi Maradona comparison is made so much but but like Maradona you you guys were getting absolutely hammered yeah, yeah it was a different game I mean you needed to 
commit actual bodily harm before he got a yellow card back then. Um, and if you remember 82, he was kicked terribly, particularly against Italy, wasn't it? Yeah. Um, and I think he, he eventually responded and he got a red card in one of the games. Um, and then an and 86, but he was he was so strong and diffi- he was actually difficult to kick. Um, <laughs> I think as well, you know, because he was so stocky and strong. Um, but yeah, the game's changed and the playing surface is so much better now. Playing football, the, the balls are better, the equipment's better, the boots are better. Everything makes it much better. Um, you can't kick people anymore. You know, a lot of offside rules, loads of changes for the better, in my opinion, of the game and for the forwards and people like Messi. It's, it's futile comparing the two of them um, in terms of saying which one's better because the there are extraordinary similarities in many ways, certainly on the pitch, um, complete opposites off the pitch. But on the pitch, you know, the left foot are both magical, um, both could beat people easier, both great passes, both very small, both Argentinian. Mm. Um, and and they're both so gifted. Comparing one to the other is, is so difficult because the game has changed and, and it's a different game now. But the one thing is sure is that Messi would have been great in Maradona's day and Maradona would be great in Messi's day. Yeah. There's no question about that. The Hawksby and Jacobs daily podcast from TalkSport. So there we are. That was this afternoon's show. Thank you very much, Max. It's good to hey, see you. Pleasure. Yeah, Anytime. Yeah, yeah. Um, so we'll catch up with you tomorrow. Thanks for listening. You've been listening to the Hawksby and Jacobs Daily Podcast. Hear the guys every weekday between 1 and 4 p.m. on TalkSport. Normally, being a little extra might be a bit much, but not when it comes to healthcare. That's why United Healthcare's Health Protector Guard Fixed Indemnity Insurance Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, supplement your primary plan so you manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at UH1.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.